Blue Wire. Colin's here, by the way. He can't hear you, but... Hi. Hi, Greg. How are you, my friends? I miss you. I miss you, too. What are we doing on Saturday? I don't know. Getting drunk. Okay. Okay, this is my podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, a Utah Jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, with me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, uh, Ben Simmons is right outside. <laughs> he's, been, uh, he's been a little outside his entire career. Man, I called that before they drafted him. Uh, I, you love to see it. He's a, just a boy. Yeah. There's just no other way to say it at this point. Like he's reacting exactly how my toddler does when he doesn't get like what he wants. Yeah. What's sad is that none of it is surprising. I don't think that anybody is shocked by Ben Simmons attitude, behavior, actions, any of it. No. Like, yeah. When I, when I heard about what happened today, I was just like, yeah, man, of course, like this is exactly how it was always going to go down with someone like this. Uh, For those that maybe not in the full know, Ben Simmons was holding out, not showing up, decided to just show up one night during on a preseason game night at the arena. That was so funny that like, the, the woes reporting on that when it's like, yeah, no, Ben is outside the facility waiting to get a COVID test. Yeah. Like he, you guys, he's here right now. No one knew he was coming. He didn't tell anyone. There's been no communication. He's back. He's kind of at practice. There's, there were like videos of him, like practicing maybe with his phone in his pocket and just kind of going through <laughs> yes. the motion. No, you saw it. You could see his phone in yeah, I saw like, it. peeking out. Like, his phone was absolutely in his pocket. Uh, and then, then today, Doc Rivers sent him home from practice, and then they suspended him for a game because he refused to uh, step in and play defense during a drill that they were doing. Which is funny because that's the only thing he can do on a basketball court. That is interesting. Yeah, he just didn't want to. He didn't want to use it all up before the season started. Yeah, really taking load management seriously this season. Honestly, like the guy. Yeah. I would I've been, you know, on the Ben Simmons bandwagon for a long time. I thought he was a good player. Uh, I've been on record saying I thought he deserved rookie of the year over Donovan Mitchell. I know this is a jazz podcast and that'll make people upset. Don't care. But he deserves but nothing now. No, he absolutely does. His bed has been made and now he's throwing a fit that he has to sleep in it. And the fact of the matter is, is this boils down to Ben Simmons is going into his sixth season in the NBA. He is the same player he was as a rookie. Yeah. Bit more refined when it comes to playmaking and defense, but all of the same warts are still there. And it's especially insane when you hear like the, the, uh, reporting Ramona Shelburne did today where he's talking about like Giannis just won a ring and he doesn't have a jumper. If, uh, if, sorry. If I earlier tonight, I watched Giannis just waltz into pull up threes against the nets and win that game first game of the season. So yeah, Giannis has worked 
and worked and worked and worked and is now, I think, undoubtedly the best player in the world. And if he's not the best, he's certainly the most unstoppable. Like we have not seen a player with the unstoppability. Love that's it. for you. That's for you, Craig Bowler, Jack. <laughs> of Giannis since Orlando Shaq. And it's not even the unstoppability that I think is the most important part when you're, when we're talking about Ben Simmons in comparison, it's the fearlessness. Yeah. It's not, and not just that, but the, the hunger and desire to get better. Yeah. I I've mentioned it on this podcast before I'll mention it again. If you want a great read and you want a deep dive into the person Giannis is, Mirren Fader. Mirren Fader's book on Giannis. I think it's simply just titled Giannis. Exactly. And you will understand the sheer number of hours that man puts in on a day in, day out basis. The struggles he had to get through. I don't see Ben Simmons doing anything like that. So for him to come out and compare himself to that, just the sheer audacity. Right. Is pretty incredible not only that but to like poo poo Joel Embiid who had he stayed healthy would have been the MVP last year right over Jokic he was playing that well to sit here and say that they tailor the the style of play to Joel and not him and that's wrong is outrageous yeah like I think the f- balls of this kid yeah and i think that the worst part about the whole thing is like again we're not surprised uh it's just sad and and the worst part is that i do feel bad for sixers fans me too like they, they don't put deserve up, this shit. they put up with so much drama and like non-basketball stuff over the last few years i was there for quite a few years of it i mean everything from zaire smith almost dying from a sesame allergy uh, burner gate when Brian Colangelo tried to take down the team from Twitter, uh, Ben Simmons <laughs> dating, uh, a Jenner and Markel Fultz forgot how to shoot a basketball when he was a number one pick. Ben Simmons was the number one pick. Now he doesn't want to play for the team anymore. The injuries that happened to Joel Embiid, the, you know, quadruple doink basket in Toronto. Like there's just so much stuff that could have gone better. And Uh, the fans are the ones that are suffering for this. Yeah. And the thing that's uh, alongside the fans, like if you're Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, where do you go from here when you have a star (laughs) on your team? Like one of your, one of your pillars, he's not the cornerstone, but he's probably what the, the second most important player on your team. Yeah. Throwing hissy fits and actively, trying to implode the team and just refusing to be a part of it while completely tanking his trade value. Right. I mean, there's, there's nothing they can do at this point. No, you can't try to do their very best to like play damage control through the preseason. And they were like, you know, we want him back. We're going to welcome him back. We want him to be a part of this team. They tried to say all those things so that in this situation he could show up and then they'd be like, see, we wanted him back. We've ironed things out and, and Ben blew it up, but he made it. So it's completely, there's not a single chance that that guy could ever step on the floor at the Wells Fargo center and not be completely ridiculed out of that building. Philadelphia fans threw batteries (laughs) at Santa Claus and snowballs at Santa Claus 
I cannot imagine what they would do to Ben Simmons if he steps on the floor in Philadelphia. He can't do it. I mean, after the last couple of days, like there, there might have been a chance for him before there might have. Yeah. And now there's not. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's simply no way. And a theme that I use just about every day in life. It's, it's one of my mantras is sucks to suck. suck. <laughs> Moving <But> on. Congratulations, <laughs> jazz fans. Yeah. When it comes to the Simmons Mitchell rivalry, you won. You yeah. finally won. Absolutely. Take your lap, pour that Martinelli's puff that candy cigar. <laughs> you won. Um, the last time that we were on, we talked about the first two preseason games. We just wanted to touch on the final two preseason games before we Mm -hmm. move on to some sort of season preview stuff. Greg, it turns out that the Jazz's good players are still very good at basketball. It's a a wild concept that the team that had (laughs) the best record in the regular season last season still has great chemistry. It's, it's really shocking when your stars are stars yeah. and when your uh, sixth man of the year uh, continues to be a dominant force off the bench. Just, just great stuff all around. Uh, Jazz top, are good. Top to bottom from the regular rotation guys. Also in the final preseason game of the year, we saw the, the bench unit from the jazz go pretty hard at the bucks mm-hmm. uh, whilst they still had some starters on the floor and they really held their own. They, it took them a while. Uh, they, they were really sloppy and a little bit uh, hero ballish yeah. when they first came in. But then, I mean, it was maybe three or four minutes after that they were moving the ball playing unselfishly and uh, just spacing really well. Elijah Hughes's defense is a lot better than I thought it was. Uh, he's gotten Same a lot with of Jared Butler. Yeah. I mean, and there's so much to say about Jared Butler. He's we're going to get to that. Yeah. He's, he's very good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned on our outline, Greg is Hassan Whiteside is needs some more time. And yeah. I think that he is going to be that player that it's going to take him a while to figure out everything that Quinn is going to want from him. Yeah. Especially like, with the way that the Jazz play basketball, and I can only imagine they brought in Hassan Whiteside to play a Rudy Gobert-esque role. Yes. You know, Hassan is not Rudy Gobert, but he can fill in the gaps for 15 to 20 minutes a night. Yeah. But I think that's going to be difficult to, he kind of seems like the odd man out right now in that he just, he just seems lost. And it seems like there's a steeper learning curve for him than the other players. You know, we still haven't seen Rudy Gay and I kind of assume it's going to be a little bit that way for him as well. But I think that he'll be able to adjust, but well, here's it is, the good it's, thing. A, it's a lot, it's the a good, lot to do with. Yeah. The good thing is that, you know, through the first three preseason games, like Hassan looked particularly lost. But in the final preseason game, there were a couple of stretches where he rotated really well and it looked like it kind of clicked for him and he blocked the out of Giannis and he had a couple of really good rebounds that he really fought for. And like, that's the kind of like strength and stuff that you want to see from that guy, because the, the last thing you want is for the reserve center to come in and like not be a force down, down low. Right. And, and, and. 
what you just touched on is what gives me optimism with Hassan Whiteside is that the effort is there. Yeah. He's not, he is not pulling a Ben Simmons and like holding his head and, and pouting and throwing a fit. Like he's just trying to learn on the fly, you know, and it's almost like, you know, you get put into a new team and everything. It kind of feels like he's like cramming for a final right now. And we can't take, you know, we can't put too much stock into the preseason games. Like we sure. talked about with summer league, like, yes, these guys are trying to figure stuff out and get acclimated, but I guarantee you that none of them are giving a hundred percent. No. And so you're getting a small percentage of what you're actually going to get during a regular season game, especially like a high level regular season game. Yeah. To that point though. Uh, and what you mentioned a little bit earlier that does also have me very excited was how well the bench played against Milwaukee. Yeah. Like, this team in the four preseason games has proven to me that they're they're deeper than they were last season. There yeah. is there is more collective talent and more widespread talent on this team than a year ago. And that's without Rudy Gay, who is a very talented player. You know what else I, I will say about Rudy Gay yeah. too? Um, I think that he's closer than people think cool. because – uh, th there's not been one time training camp preseason, any of that, that we've seen him like in a walking boot or anything like that. He's um, consistently getting up shots after practice. Uh, he was working on some of his post moves with some of the assistant coaches the other day. It it's not like he's uh, being ginger. It's just that I think that they're being slow and cautious with the recovery, but w watching him move and run around and, um, some of the stuff that he's been able to do on the core. I think he's closer than a lot of people anticipate awesome. him being. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to that, that bucks game and the bench though, that, that the depth and the versatility has me very excited in that. I don't think you're going to see that same playoff esque rotation from Quinn throughout the entire season. Like we saw last year the younger guys on the roster are going to have more of an opportunity than they did last season, because I think that the players and the coaching staff are going to trust them more than they did last season. Yeah. There is one thing that I, I'm, I, I hope we're going to see. And I think we will see is, you know, when, when the bucks got drew holiday last year, they spent quite a bit of time, you know, early on and even midway through the season, kind of tinkering with lineups. Mm-hmm. And it cost them a few games. Right. But in the end, it paid huge dividends in the playoffs. And I kind of hope the Jazz do that. And if that means they end up the three seed instead of the one seed, but they have everything figured out and they're and they're at full strength coming into the playoffs, I would I I, I would put my money on that being a better situation. I think there's much less of a chance that they uh flame out in the playoffs the way they did last season, if that's the case. Yeah. And I think, I think that tinkering with rotations and trying out some new stuff because of the versatility that they have on the roster is something that's going to happen. Awesome. It's not something that I think you're going to see a ton of, but when they play a team where it, you know, calls for a matchup change and calls for, you know, a different type of lineup, I think that Quinn is going to do it. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, 
they do have to sacrifice some games just to kind of work the kinks out of that. And Quinn said something yeah. the other day to the effect of like, you know, maybe we don't work on some of that stuff in practice all the time, but when a game comes around that allows us to work on it, that's the best time to do it anyways. Sure. Yeah. And I love, I love to hear that. And I also have a ton of faith in Quinn Snyder. He's really yeah. smart. Uh, speaking of smart, <laughs> let's talk about Jared Butler a little bit. That kid's good. He's very good. I wrote about this. It'll be coming out uh, in a couple days on Deseret.com. The thing that differentiates him is that he probably has like the same talent level that Donovan Mitchell did when they both came into the league as a rookie. Uh-huh. They won't have the same path because the team won't allow for it, right? Like sure. there's not an open position for him to just slot into a starting lineup right now. Right. There was for Donovan. There was a spot for him. And that might have like expedited Donovan Mitchell's like growth trajectory that might've sure. really accelerated things. Maybe we're looking at a different Donovan Mitchell if he isn't starting games and allowed to become the leading scorer on the team. I would almost guarantee it. Yeah. I think that Jared Butler has that same talent level. He won't be given the same amount of opportunity that Donovan did, but he has a different kind of opportunity where the guys in front of him, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles are much better for Jared to learn from. My, Donovan didn't have that kind no. of tutelage. And so I think that he in the Ricky long, Rubio, right. In the long run, Jared Butler is going to be much better off for who he's going to be able to learn from and what he's going to be able to see. It is kind of exciting knowing that, you know, Mike, Mike Conley just turned, what was it? 30, 34. 34. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's up there in, in NBA years. Yep. And to know that the jazz have probably drafted his heir apparent. Right. Very exciting. Yeah. And like, that's one of the things that they needed to do is they needed to plan for the future and to land someone that you can already look at and say like, this guy could take over is it's so good for the jazz. And it's, it's just so lucky to be able and to have gotten him at 40. They got, they got him at the 40th pick. This is a guy that should have been drafted top 10. Yeah. Easily low lottery. He's so good. Yeah. And I'm really impressed with the 20 year old straight out of college, the poise in which he plays. It, it doesn't seem the, the thing that that's, that really impresses me is that watching in the, him in the preseason, he has not figured it out. No, and they're, they're, a lot of it, a lot of a it. Yeah. And, and yeah, rightfully so he's not going to, there's, there's that learning curve that we we've, we've talked about with the other new and young players on this team, but the fact that he's able to improvise and play with such poise and with such a high IQ at this point in his career should be so exciting. He he averaged 18 points per game. He led all rookies in scoring. Again, preseason, but still. But still. That's like, you got your guy who can go out there and create shots for himself and others. I am so impressed at his ability to run an offense. There was one, one in particular against the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in the second half where, again, he does this quick little penetrating... Double crossover. Cross, yeah, double cross dribble, gets into the lane, draws the entire defense, 
And instead of forcing it, does a quick little wraparound pass to Hassan Whiteside for the easy dunk. Yeah. And it may just look like a routine play. You know, if you're, you're watching the, you know, the Chris Paul's or the Russell Westbrook's of the world um, before a rookie in his fourth preseason game to do stuff like that is, is really impressive. He is mature both from a basketball skill standpoint and an IQ standpoint uh, well above his years. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the times when I'm looking at some of these rookies, I think attitude is a huge component. I mean, it, we could look at Ben Simmons again. I mean, he came in as a rookie and immediately I was like, that guy, he's a, dick. he's not going anywhere, you know? Yeah. And Jared Butler came in and was like, listen, I know that I might not crack the rotation as much as I want to, but the goal is to play hard in every practice, give it everything in every workout. And every time that I do have a few minutes here or there to try to prove that I deserve a spot. And yeah. he's totally willing to take criticism from all reports by other veteran players on the team. He asks a ton of questions almost to the point of being annoying, which is exactly what you want from a rookie. He's pulling the Jarrell Brantley. Yeah. Exactly. Love I love it. We, yeah. We love the Jarrell Brantley template. The, the JBM. Yeah. The Jarrell Brantley model. Yes. The JBM. We love it. There's one thing I, I kind of want to rewind the tape back just a little bit. Cause we kind of just dumped right into the uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah, we did talk. I do want to say that this podcast is a number of things. We're a basketball podcast. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're a, we're a political podcast. We do not um, shut up and dribble. We do not shut up and dribble. We do not uh, stick to sports. We are an accountability podcast. This is the accountability podcast. But as a podcast that follows the church of Jordan Clarkson mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of Latter-day Buckets, We are, we are, we are a vibes podcast. Oh, so much. We above, are. above, above all else. And I just want to let everyone know that going into this season, the vibes are immaculate. The vibes are so good. <laughs> I spent the evening folding laundry and watching Giannis get his ring and then dominate the nets again. I've got LeBron and, and Stephen Curry playing basketball right now. I, I'm in my happy place. I know mm -hmm. jazz fans don't like the Lakers, but watching LeBron and Steph Curry play basketball is it's very good. It's very it's good. A, vibes. It's, it's, it's as good as it gets. The vibes are immaculate and there's a piece of me that's whole again. I couldn't agree more. Let's talk some and let's uh, predict. Hell yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to break this down as we got our season preview and predictions. We're going to start with some hot takes for both the NBA and the Utah Jazz. Yes. I'm, should I start or? or... Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Go ahead. My first hot take for the season is that Clay Thompson is either going to be 100% Clay Thompson or his career is over and another injury is on the horizon. I cannot see in a world when there, where there's a Clay Thompson that's just like, oh, he's 50% of what he used to be and he's okay. I don't see it. Yeah. 100 or 0%. 
that's that's interesting. Um, my only hesitation with that is I think we're always going to get the same effort and Clay's going to play the same style. I wonder, like the thing that made Clay so good, I know that like he gets the majority of the credit for being a dead eye shooter and he has those incredible games where he takes six dribbles and drops 60 points and, you know, that kind of thing. But really what made Clay so good is that he was one of the best two-way players in the league before he got incredibly underrated defensive, really, really good defensive player. Like probably should have been on multiple all defensive teams and was one of the reasons why the Warriors were so good defensively. I know Mm -hmm. Draymond was the linchpin, but Draymond isn't Draymond. If, if Clay isn't guarding guys like, Kawhi and and James Harden and Jason Tatum on a on a nightly basis yes I I have no doubt that Clay is going to be fairly similar to or or 100% of what he was offensively he's going to spot up he's going to shoot he's still going to dunk like a Republican but I just wonder is he going to be the same defensively? Is he going to be able to move his feet and, and provide that same kind of ball pressure? He was so good at point of attack. That's why and it's I, a hot take. Yeah. Zero just, or 100. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. That is a, that is a, that is a habanero hot take right here on unsalvageable. What do you got for me? I think my first one, um, I think goes south in Portland real quick. I think it gets ugly. Um, and I think that Damian Lillard ends the season on another team. Now, that is an interesting take, considering that today he literally said, I'm not going anywhere. How many times have we heard that? I know. But it make I mean, it makes it better because if Dame actually ends up on another team, at this point, it would shock me. It's going to be great when he ends up on the Lakers. <laughs> Yeah. He'll be the youngest guy there. It's very true. <laughs> that team is old. As it's so funny. Just watching it earlier and watching, you know, mellow in a Lakers uniform, walk into a pull-up three in transition. And just knowing that like behind him is guys like Ariza and LeBron and Kent Bazemore. <laughs> Kim Basemore is the youngest. Jordan. DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan. Jordan is DeAndre Jordan did not play a minute. Rajon Rondo for the Nets in the postseason last year, and now he's starting. Yeah, for the Lakers. That's weird. It's great. I love it. Keep yeah. it weird. More hot takes. Ben Simmons retires before Kyrie. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think that Kyrie. Uh is too weak to keep the grift going and that he will. What's, even, what's his grift though? I don't like, I don't know. I don't know what, I think that he's doing it because like he thinks it makes him like sound cool and like seem really progressive. And like, he thinks he's a voice for the people. Yeah, he really does. But I think, I think that only, that only goes so far. And then he gets to the point where he's like, well, I got to make my money, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think, I think at some point, Kevin Durant just puts him in a headlock and gives right. him a jab. <laughs> Kevin Durant's going to vaccine him. Yeah. Vaccinate him. 
He's going to no, vaccine it's, it's him va- so it's hard. It's vaccine. Yes, vaccine is now a verb. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that the, like Ben Simmons is not going to give in and go into the Wells Fargo Center, as we've said. He no. can't. He will be actual murdered. And I mean, from everything that's coming out from like front office executives, like around the league, everyone's like, uh, if this is what he's going to act like when things are like kind of a little bit hard, do we really want to take him on? Like his trade stock is so low right now. What, like, I don't know what he does from here. And so I am, I'm predicting that he goes to the NBL. Really? Yeah. He ends up. I don't know, playing with Dante Exum in Australia. Why not, man? That He's friends with so Dante. Sad. He's good friends with Dante. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah, they grew up together. Yeah. They'll they're gonna dominate playing in Brisbane. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> My next uh, your next one is one of mine. I love it. Yeah. I think that Jason Kidd sucks as a head coach. Um, I also think that he's not a very good human being. And I think that things are going to get sour in Dallas really quickly. I and think, see, I think, I don't think the hot I, part is that Jason Kidd sucks as a head coach. I think we know no, that no, no, no. already, but I think that him not being able to get greatness out of Luca is like, you have to KP. suck so bad. You have to suck real bad. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And I think it's going to get to the point where like Luca, there's going to be like trade, trade rumors. Like Luca's Luca's unhappy. He wants to leave kind of a thing. We're going to get like the sports center Chiron every 12 minutes. Woj is going to like type so hard. His fingers break. (laughs) Um, I'll up you one. I'll up you one. I think the kid's gone by Christmas. By Christmas. Yeah. We don't, we don't get Christmas. to see Jason. K- yeah, we don't get to see Kid in, in Salt Lake City. No, Merry Christmas, Great. Jason Kid. Uh Christmas present to jazz fans. Uh they'll be an interim coach in Salt Lake City. Yeah, we won't be spilling any soda on the court in Salt no, Lake no, City. No, 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 not at Vivint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that he gets canned and he gets canned fairly quickly. It also would not surprise me if Chauncey Billups does not make it through the season. God, we can all hope, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your, what's your jazz take? I, I don't know if this is like such a crazy, this isn't much of a hot take, but I believe it in my heart of hearts. Every season we have seen Donovan Mitchell elevate his game. Right. He's been, he's gotten better every single season. So uh, I have to believe he's going to be even better this year than he was last year. And I think he he's becomes a top tier scorer in the NBA. And I'm talking like he's putting up somewhere between 27 and 29 points per game. Mine is that I've got a lot of faith in Royce O'Neal this season. He came back thick and jacked after the offseason. That man is in great shape. He, I think that he was pretty upset about number one not being able to do too great in the playoffs last season but also that like he knew that the problem was perimeter defense and so I think that uh he gets DPOY treatment this season yeah I I would say my hot take is Royce makes an all defensive team I would love it I would love it it's gonna happen this season he should have made it last year yeah I mean he definitely had a case for it 
I think he absolutely deserved it. And then my last hot take is he won't win it. Yeah. <laughs> but Rudy Gobert will be in the MVP conversation. Yeah. I think the Jazz are going to be really good and he's going to put up crazy numbers and he's still going to be the most elite defensive player in the, in the NBA. Let's move to some standings predictions. Sure. We're looking at, we'll go through Eastern conference first and we'll finish off with Western conference and we can just, um, Greg, why don't you run through your standings for the Eastern conference, what you think they'll be at the end of the regular season. And then, I mean, you don't have to explain all of them, but just a couple of thoughts at the end, if you have them. Sure. My number one team in the Eastern conference, uh, reigning title team, Milwaukee Bucks, number two, Brooklyn Nets, number three, Miami Heat, number four, Atlanta Hawks, number five, Boston Celtics, number six, Philadelphia 76ers, number seven, the Chicago Bulls, number eight, uh, the New York Knicks, and then uh, nine and 10 in the play-in tournament will be the same teams as last season, the Charlotte Hornets and the Indiana Pacers. Um, I think the Bucks are, you know, they look like they didn't miss a step tonight. Giannis is still the best player in the league. Nets, they're super deep and they're super good. And they could very well win it all, especially if Kyrie decides to stop being a contrarian for the sake of being a contrarian. I think the Heat got remarkably better, especially with Kyle Lowry. Hawks, team on the rise. They made it to the conference finals last season. They're really good and they're really young. The Celtics kind of intrigue me. Um, and I think they've got a good bench. And, you know, the Dennis Schroeder acquisition is is interesting. And, you know, they still got they still got the Jays. They still got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And the both of those guys are really good. Um Marcus Smart. And they still got Marcus Smart, who's one of the best, if not the best perimeter defender in the league. He's right. awesome. And I love Marcus Smart. Top tier. Marcus Smart fan right here. He is a thick Jack King. He really is. That man looks like he like eats bricks for breakfast. Yummy. <laughs> I, I I just love him so much. Bulls are intriguing. I think Lon- the Lonzo Ball uh, acquisition is really good. Um, still interested with the Levine DeRozan pairing. And then you've got Vooch, all-star center. They got a lot of firepower. Um, it's going to be interesting. And then uh, the Knicks, I, Knicks are interesting to me. I think they're, you know, this is a much deeper, much better uh, Eastern conference than we've had in, in years past. Um, the Fournier signing was kind of interesting to me. I want to see how much Kemba still has in the tank. And I want to see if Julius Randle can continue how good he was last season. I, I think they take a bit of a step back, not to any fault of their own, more so that the Eastern Conference got better. Our top three are the same. Bucks, uh-huh. Nets, Heat in that order. I agree. Uh, those are probably going to be the top three in the East. Uh, whether it's in that order or not, we'll see. I put the Celtics up higher. I put them at fourth. And mm-hmm. I put the Knicks at fifth, just because, again, I trust the two J's and Marcus really Smart. Good. Yeah. And I think that Julius Randle is a new Julius Randle. And I 
like what they did in the off season. So I, and, and the thing is, is like the Knicks are a good regular season team yeah. if they're able to replicate what they did last season. And so I'm fine with that. I think the Hawks are going to fall off a little bit. I think that maybe what we saw last season was a little bit of a Cinderella story that might not be able to be replicated, but I would love to be proven wrong about that uh-huh. because I really do like the players on that team. They're fun. I've got the Sixers at seventh because I think that all of the b- that happens this season is going to kind of confuse them and throw for a loop. And they're going to have to figure some stuff out through the regular season. Totally. And then you had the bulls in at seventh and I don't have them in my top eight. I've got the Hornets in at eight. I'm just hoping that LaMelo is very good. I guess. LaMelo is cool. Yeah. He's nothing cool. else. I don't think the Hornets are going to be particularly good. Like they don't strike any fear in my heart, but they'll I mean, be fun eighth to watch. Seed, an eighth seed in the East shouldn't strike fear in anyone's heart. So sure. And the play-in, I've got the Pacers and the Bulls. I think the Bulls are going to be a lot of fun to watch. I really am excited about them figuring it out. I think I'll probably have them a little bit higher next season. Yeah. Um, But this season, I think it's going to be a little of figuring out. Let's go to the Western Conference. Who do you, let's, we can go slower in this one because this is the Jazz's conference. Who do you have in your top three? My top three are uh, number one, the, the Phoenix Suns. Number two, the Utah Jazz. And uh, number three, the Denver Nuggets. And honestly, if Jamal Murray were healthy, mm-hmm. the, the Denver Nuggets would be my pick to win the NBA title this season. Right. But uh, he is not, and that is not the case. So yeah, those are my those are my top three. I don't think that really comes to you know anybody's surprise. Like I think those are the three real elite teams in the uh in the western conference Uh, i do have the nuggets at number one and Mm -hmm. i think that i think Jokic is coming in with a lot of feelings because he got a lot of flack for not playing for the serbian national team over the summer and so like i mean people from his home country were calling him a national traitor because he didn't want to play and his reasoning for playing was purely NBA based. He felt tired from the last two seasons and he wanted to be in great shape for this coming season. And so he's putting more importance on the NBA than he is playing for the national team, which is a huge thing to say for a guy from Serbia. Yes. And I think that a lot of people are not uh, picking the nuggets, like you said, and rightfully so Jamal Murray is not healthy. And so that's a knockdown for them. I still have a lot of doubts about Michael Porter Jr., but I think that Jokic can carry that team honestly through the Western Conference. And I think that coming in with a little bit of heat behind his sails is going to, it's going to do something. I think we're going to see a lot of special stuff, especially after an MVP season where a lot of people also said that he, you know, won it kind of by default, not because he really deserved it. And so I'm excited about him. I've got the Lakers second. I think they're coming in healthy and coming in hot and I've got the jazz third. I don't think that, I don't think the jazz are going to be gunning for a top spot the same way that they were last year. Agreed. But I definitely think they've got enough talent to be in the top three. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Who are your next three? My four seed are, are the Lakers mm-hmm. and I have them a little bit lower. I think they've got a ton of talent, but that team is old. Yeah, they're going to rest a lot. And they're going to rest a ton. I also think, you know, guys like Russ and Mello and Dwight Howard and Braun and the rest of them, I don't really think they give a about the regular season. 
Right. You know, and I think they'll be like, yeah, we can, we've got LeBron James on our team. We've got AD on our team. And if we have to go on the road, we can do that and win. And I'm not worried about it. So I think we're going to see that team. I'm not going to say they're going to tank games, but they're definitely going to rest guys and make sure that they're healthy. I also like really wonder about health. They're already banged up and, you know, and wouldn't surprise me if LeBron missed 20 plus games and mellow and, you know, Ariza's out right now. Like, right. I think they're going to be super conservative with that roster. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of ice bags in that locker room. You're fifth and sixth. Fifth and sixth. My fifth are the Warriors. I think the Warriors have top tier talent, especially, you know, it would not surprise me at all if Steph won the MVP this season, you know, but I think they're in, you know, Draymond talked about it in the preseason. They're in a really interesting spot where it's like, they've got their established guys. They're going to get clay back, but there's also that juxtaposition of trying to get new guys up to speed, you know, and like trying to, they're in that interesting position of like, you've got to play your your vets but your supporting cast is inexperienced and very young so right. how do you get those guys up to speed while also trying to win games so like you're not with Steph Curry in his prime right or losing in the play-in again yeah exactly and I think you know the emergence of guys like Jordan Poole who I think is really going to help them. I still uh, think that when he's healthy, James Wiseman can be a good player. Mm -hmm. So they've got some intriguing pieces, but I think it's going to be a lot of uh, trying to figure stuff out and getting guys up to speed this year. Mm -hmm. I think Steve Kerr has his work cut out for him. Yeah. I think this is going to be his toughest year as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. And then my sixth seed, my league pass team, my favorite team outside of the Utah jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies. I think John Morant takes another step this season. Uh, I think Dylan Brooks is really good. And I think the key is Triple J is healthy. And, you know, he just signed that big deal. And I have a ton of faith in Triple J. I think he's a really, really good player. And him being on the court is going to elevate the Grizzlies this season. My fourth seed is the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. I think that after Jason Kidd gets fired, whoever they bring in is going to uh, really know how to use the team. They're going to do a better job and they'll kind of shoot up the standings probably in the latter part of the season. That's what I'm predicting. Interesting. My fifth seed is the Clippers. Probably not going to be super great. Maybe they get Kawhi back near the end of the season, but they still got Paul George and they got great role players. They're going to win some games, so they'll be yeah. in the mix. And my sixth seed is the Warriors. You had them fifth, item six. I believe the same thing as you. They do, they're going to want to win enough games to stay out of that play in because I don't think that Steph would be nearly okay with that again. I think that they were okay with it last season because of the amount of injury and stuff that they were dealing with. But I think that this season they're, they're on a mission to kind of reclaim their spot as one of the great teams in the NBA and it might take a little while, but I don't think that they're going to fall down into that play in spot. Yeah. I think they're better than they were last year for sure. Yeah. Uh, Who do you have at seventh and eighth in the West? I have the Clippers as the seventh seed. I think losing Kawhi is just such a huge blow for the entire season. Um, And then like you're putting so much more stress on the rest of the team and like they're a Reggie Jackson injury away from like, 
maybe being out of the playoffs. It's a serious, like put up or shut up season for Paul George. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, this is Paul George's. I'm not, it might be his most important. And I think it might be his most difficult, just like as far as like a shouldering the workload kind of a thing. I think this will be like a really defining season for his legacy. Totally, totally, totally agree. Yeah. Like if he gets them in like, I don't know, the top four in the West, like that man's going to be in the MVP discussions. And we've seen the type of player he can be. Paul George in the playoffs last season was brilliant. Was especially what he did to the jazz. You know, you like you, those RIP Joe Ingles is your daddy. Yeah. That's dead and buried. But yeah, I totally agree. I think this is a huge season for Paul George's legacy. I still think he's a Hall of Famer, but like we'd be talking about him and like an upper echelon of players if he if he gets this team into serious contention. Absolutely. And your eighth seed? Mavericks. I cannot emphasize enough how enormous of a downgrade going from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd is Rick Carlisle is one of the best. He is an elite coach in the NBA. The man is brilliant. Yep. And you, you know, and he ran a a super tight ship and won a championship with, with Dallas. Um, We saw what he was able to do with Luca and one season ago, they had the most efficient and highest rated offense. offense ever in the history of the nba ever yeah and like again going back to mirin fader fader's book and and reading about just how big of a sociopath jason kidd is a, as a head coach also that book came out before they hired him yeah which means enough people over there aren't reading books yeah you know i think maybe mark cuban should um read a book yeah and you know and like imagine going on shark tank and pitching jason kidd as your head coach Oof. Woof. <laughs> i'm gonna get a pass dog sorry yeah um, um another thing is is much like the knicks with uh, the mavericks big free agent acquisition this year was reggie bullock right and i think a big problem with the mavericks is that not only did you downgrade your coach uh, I think the West got significantly better this year and to no fault of the Mavericks, you know, like they, the rest of the West is more competitive this season than it was last year. And that is going to cost them because they didn't get better, you know? And I think they're putting so much stop or, or, or so much stock in, in Luca, which rightfully so, but the guy that gives me the trepidation is Porzingis. And I just don't think Porzingis is that dude. I don't think that he's that dude, which is, I mean, I kind of why I have him a little bit higher on them because like, I think, I think that Luca is that good that he can beyond all of those things that he is good enough to kind of raise the bar for that team and carry them. And I could be wrong, right? Sure. Yeah. I'll be wrong. (laughs) I think that I do agree. Luca is phenomenal. I think Luca is one of the top five basketball players in the NBA. I don't think he can do it alone. I think maybe during the regular season. Yeah. I think he needs a true number two. And I don't think the Mavericks have that. You're their, their second best player is who 
Tim Hardaway Jr. Hey, maybe they they fire Jason Kidd and then they make some big trades at the deadline. Yeah. I mean, that's I think that's I think what's that's, gonna have to happen. It has to be the path, right? Sure. Yeah. Package Porzingis and I don't know, a couple of the other, you know, they got a bunch of like rangy wings. Right. On that team, you could you could package some of those, some of you know, that kind of hybrid three and D player, you know, a Tim Hardaway Jr. kind type, like that's that's coveted. You know, I think they have assets and they could probably do that, but I think that's that is what it's going to take for the Mavericks to get back into contender status. Yeah. I've got the Suns at seventh. Really? Yeah. I think that's probably like my biggest take as far as the standings go, because, you know, we talked about it a little bit with after the finals that it wouldn't be surprising to us if the Suns were kind of a one and done thing, if they couldn't reach the top again. And I kind of think that that's going to happen. I think that I think that there's going to be a little bit of a falling off for them. And I have absolutely nothing to base that on. <laughs> and I'm the, I, I am literally the polar opposite of you. Right. I, and I am a big believer in Phoenix. I think they're good and they're nasty. I would, and I would love to be, again, I'd love to be wrong. You know, if, you know, Mikhail Bridges and campaign, uh, if they were to come out and do it all again and, and be great role players and, but, you know, Part of the trouble is, you know, them having the DeAndre Ayton yes, signing that is, issues. That is a dark cloud hanging uh, over that franchise right now. What the, the fuck, server? The thing is, is you, like, you just have to pay. You just have to. It doesn't matter if you think that Ayton is worth the max contract. Like, outside of, like, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, who are, like, both paid, you know? Mm-hmm. Aiton was a number one pick who you wouldn't have been in finals contention without. You have to pay him. You know, we we spoke of Jokic pretty glowingly already on this podcast, and rightfully so, was very deserving of his MVP and was really good. There were stretches in that series against the Nuggets. Aiton was kicking Jokic's He ate him. Yeah. You hear that? I, 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 that's, that's very clever. Sorry. He's, he's good. And he's going into what, I think this is his, his third season. Fourth, maybe third or fourth season. He pay him. Yeah. The fact that they didn't get that done is just, that's a failing. And I'm worried about, you know, how that's going to make things sort of feel. Yeah. I will say this though. There's no way that Aiton doesn't get paid. And I think there's no way that Aiton doesn't get paid by Phoenix. Right. You know, like, because again, they have, they can match. He's a restricted free agent and someone will give him a big offer and Phoenix will match. But it's but like, as but it's like, why do you, fans, it's like, why yeah. do you piss him off to yeah. start with? Like, yeah, he's going to get that money out on the market anyways. And so like, why wouldn't you just give it to him now instead of pissing totally, him off? Totally agree. Learn from your competition's failures. Yeah. Do not pull a Gordon Hayward. Exactly. And when you don't have to, that was a huge reason why Gordon Hayward left the Utah jazz Yeah, is that he was still salty over not getting that contract and then having the jazz match what, what Charlotte gave him, which right. is a huge reason why he went to Charlotte from Boston as well. It's because he felt like there was some, some sort of loyalty there. And like, you know, they were the team that reached out and we're going to give him the chance. So right. it's, it's so 
so head scratching to me that you would do that with a guy who was so instrumental and so young in still. Your, yeah. In your finals run. And is just, he, he, who has gotten better every, every season. Like we're talking about, good. we're talking about paying this guy top dollar through his prime. You don't even have to worry about him getting worse. You don't have to worry about like the tail end of the contract being bad. Not only that, but you're still playing with Chris Paul. Yeah. And Chris Paul has made an entire career of getting big men paid and making them play so much better than yeah. than what they have before. Just and a nobody wild on thing. that team, nobody on Phoenix reaped the benefits of playing with Chris Paul more than DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Pay the guy. He's really good. wild stuff. My eighth seed in the West, <laughs> the <laughs> The Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's go. That that their their big three is intriguing. They're, they're going to be fun. I want to see Cat in the playoffs, and I want good things for Anthony Edwards. And that's it. Yeah, me too. My my question with Minnesota is, I think there or, or my concern with them. I think there's going to be a lot of games they lose, like one thirty to one twenty six. Right. Because they're going to be able to put the ball in the hoop. They will be able to score. Right. Getting a stop down the street. They're not going to be able they, they won't be able to stop anyone. Cat's not a good defender. He could be if he wanted to. D'Angelo Russell is one of the like worst defenders in the league. Yeah. Anthony Edwards, a second year guy. And while I think that Anthony Edwards one day will lead the league in scoring, He's not a defensive stopper. Your your best defensive player is who? Josh Josh Akogi? I just they that's what I'm saying is like they'll outscore enough people <laughs> to sneak into the eight seed. Fair enough. Uh, and then my play in in the West is Grizzlies Blazers. Uh, I see nothing great happening for the Blazers this season, which is disappointing. And I. I think that the Grizzlies could make a leap this season. Like you were mentioning, you've got them in the mm-hmm. sixth spot, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they were kind of just the same team this year that they were last year. Yeah. I think it wouldn't really surprise me. I think a lot of it, honestly, for the Grizzlies hinges on guys like, like Desmond Bain and, and D'Anthony Melton. Jaron Jackson like, Jr. Yeah, we, we talked about that. And I have a ton of faith in Jaron Jackson Jr. If he can stay healthy, I think that he's going to yeah. be an all-star that's, caliber player. That's the thing player. is he's got to stay healthy. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm high on the Grizzlies. I think they're going to be good. Let's go through season awards. Yeah. Let's just, let's, let's do end, this. Let's, let's do this as a, as a lightning round. I'll say course. mine, you say yours. And then All we'll right. Argue. We'll go in reverse order and we'll end with the bang, the MVP. All right. Cool. So coach of the year, who you got? Monty Williams. I've got Mike Malone. Most improved. OG Ananobi. Cole Anthony. Sixth man of the year. I got to go with my heart. Got to go with my boy. It's Jordan Clarkson. He I want I want to go with, because I, I saw you wrote in yours before I wrote in mine. <laughs> I thought I was going to be like too biased, me saying Jordan Clarkson again. And so I went with, I guess my, the second, the first pick in my head to the second in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Portis, not a which bad I th- choice. Which I think would be like a fun thing if he had sort of like a a breakout year as kind of the sixth guy. Yeah, 
I was I was debating for a second about going with Patty Mills, but then I realized he's probably going to start a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, DPOY? Uh, I'm going with Giannis simply because I think there'll be some voter fatigue with Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I think that you're right about voter fatigue, but I think that Rudy is going to be better this season than he was last season and that it'll force that people's is hand. wild. And so I'm picking Rudy Gobert for DPO. He was so good last season. I know. I've got a feeling. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the guy, he's so good defensively. Rookie of the um, year. We both got the same guy, Jalen Green. Yeah, he's gonna be he's he's gonna be handed the keys to the car day one. Yep. He's a prolific scorer. He's gonna be really good. He's another guy like Ant Edwards who could at one point in his career lead the league in scoring. Absolutely. And who do you have for MVP this year? I got the best the best if if not the second best player. He's kind of him and Giannis are one A and one B. I've got Kevin Durant. Not a bad pick at all. Uh, I think he's going to be feeling a lot of things after that toe last season. And I think he's going to be on a tear. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the trend that I've been talking about through this podcast. I think that Luca is going to win MVP. I think that uh, Jason Kidd is going to try to spoil it for him. And then (laughs) once he's out, that above Luke, all odds above all odds Luca is going to tear through the second half of the season and again force people's hand yeah and honestly yeah something Luca winning it wouldn't surprise me um Giannis winning his third wouldn't surprise me Steph winning Definitely. his yeah. third wouldn't surprise me none of it would surprise me no. Durant winning wouldn't surprise none of it would surprise me Hell, a- James Harden winning it wouldn't surprise me No, there are a lot of great players in the league who are kind of poised to have great years this season. Yeah, I think a dark horse, and it's crazy to say this, but like LeBron as an MVP this season, speaking of of guys with huge chips on their shoulders this season, I think, I think we're going to see a lot of hashtag washed King (laughs) this year. Listen, I say it every season until LeBron is not in the NBA. I do not count LeBron out. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I do not bet against LeBron. (laughs) It's going to be 2054 and he's still going to be playing with like bionic knees. That's fine with me. I will watch it. Yeah. He's going to look like Jax from Mortal Kombat. Still dunking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My other prediction for this season. Pain. <laughs> I've been waiting all night for that. Pain. Um, I think that this podcast is going to be the best podcast that anybody's ever listened to. It is number one. Oh my God. Not Victor. even with the Jazz podcast is number one podcast in all of the universe. <laughs> That's my no, prediction. No other podcast. Pod Save America. No, no, no. 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 Unsalvageable. Only podcast you listen to from now on. Well, you heard it here, folks. Uh, do all the things. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. Follow me at NBA Sarah. Follow the show at Unsalvageable. Send us an email, unsalvageablepod at gmail.com. 
again, review, five-star reviews. We love them so much and they really help us. Thanks for coming by and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.